G'day friends, what the fuck is going on? Back again, I'm going to talk about round... Oh, what about two? Seven. I'm going to talk about round seven, and I'm going to talk about the monstrous four rounds of fixture that got released today. Let's get into it. Okay, so if you're a footy fan, I am certain that you're as excited as I am. Uh, Rounds 9 to 12 got released this evening, and it's fucking amazing. It is 33 games squeezed into, I think it's actually 19 days. We have football on every single day for two weeks. Sorry, three weeks. Every day for three weeks. I am absolutely giddy with excitement. This is so exciting. Biggest problem I'm going to have is when the hell am I going to report this, record this weekly podcast? It's going to have to be at the end of each round, whilst the next round has started, is probably what I'm going to have to do. But I don't care. I am so damn excited. And there are lots of really, really good games. I'll just like sort of quickly run over some of the more exciting looking ones oh excuse me so starting off on wednesday the 29th of july bulldogs in richmond that'll be a ripper so this is round nine also in that round we've got essendon brisbane that'll be a good one we've got west coast geelong that'll be a good one and gold coast giants which should be a pretty good game as well That could be a really good game. It's actually tough to tip. So just there in round four really good games. And then the next round, it's not the next week, it's the next round. So that round ends on the Sunday. And then the next day on Monday the 3rd, so exciting, round 10 begins with Port Adelaide and the Bulldogs. That'll be a ripper. Next day on the Tuesday, got Richmond and Brisbane. That'll be a ripper. Oh, what else we got? Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast and St Kilda could be a pretty good game. Two teams are actually traveling, both traveling quite well. That could be a very good game. Oh, and then moving on to, you know, the following day, <laughs> round eleven, starting on Saturday the eighth of August. Port Ad- gee, Richmond has got a lot of really good Richmond and Port Adelaide, starting off that round, then. Brisbane Bulldogs, that'll be a ripper. West Coast Carlton, that'll be a good game. What else we got? Fremantle and Hawthorne could be an interesting game. Hawthorne are going pretty shithouse at the moment, but they may have resurrected it by then, even if they're not. (coughs) It should still be a pretty good game. Gold Coast Essendon in that round as well. And then round 12, what do we got? 
Geelong Port Adelaide could be pretty good. Gee, Port Adelaide, they've got a tough run. Gee whiz. Uh, they got Melbourne in round one. They shouldn't have any problems there. But then they got the Dogs. Then they got Richmond. And then they've got Geelong. Gee, that's pretty tough. Has anyone else got a tougher run? Who Richmond got? Richmond have got the Bulldogs. Then they got the Lions. Then they've got Port Adelaide. Then they've got Gold Coast. That's probably a tougher four games. Uh, who have who have Adelaide got? <laughs> Adelaide have got North Melbourne, Melbourne, uh, Collingwood, and Bulldogs. I actually would almost tip them against North Melbourne, the way North Melbourne are going at the moment. They could win that one. It's a neutral territory, the Gold Coast. They could win that. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? I was up to round 12. Any good games here? Yeah, Geelong, Port Adelaide. Fremantle, Carlton might be a good game. Then Richmond, Gold Coast on the Monday, August 17th. That could be a pretty good game. So lots of really good games, but... It doesn't even matter because every single morning when you get out of bed, you can look forward to watching the football, you know, and it's not, you don't even have to wait until night time for some games. Like the, so on Thursday, the 30th of July, we've got the 340 game between Carlton and Hawthorne. Uh, what else we got on weekdays at 540 on Wednesday, the 5th of August, we've got Geelong and North Melbourne. I love that. And then again, 5.40 the, the Thursday after the next day. Got Collingwood in Sydney. Gee, 8.10 8, on a Thursday night. Gold Coast and St Kilda. That's an interesting one. Any other funny weekday ones? Oh, no. Lots of night games in round 11, round 12. Round 12 is actually... Oh, that's clever. So by the time we get to round 12, they've actually got it back to being a normal round. That's really well done. Uh, just, I'd just like to give a round of applause to, to Travis Old, who is the fixture boss. This is an amazing job that he's done. Like, he's not doing it by himself, but this is a truly amazing job that he's done here. This is really, really impressive. So by the time we get to round 12, the end of this little block, it's back to a normal Thursday to Monday fixture with pretty normal game times. 6-10, well, it'll be 8-10, because that's in Perth. On the Thursday night, and 7-10 on the Monday night. Yeah, there's not even, there isn't even a Sunday night game. Oh, sorry, yes, it is, because it's in Perth again, so 6-10 on Sunday night. Eastern time. Gee, that's really, really impressive. It is so damn exciting. I'm a little bit worried about the, you know, the amount of soft tissue uh, nightmares that may occur. It's already started happening. Almost every single game is having some kind of hamstring or, you know, other little twinge here and there. Players dropping left, right and centre. That was always going to happen. Hopefully it doesn't get worse in that little block. Hopefully clubs are making... You know, I mean, they're going to have to players that are just going to be tired, straight up tired, forget being injured. So they're going to have to be making changes, especially when they're having four or five day breaks. It looks like every club has got at least one four day break. I should say as well, there's uh, a few clubs that have got buys, 
So in round 10, Fremantle, West Coast, Hawthorne and Carlton all have a bye. In round 11, uh, the Giants and the Swans have a bye. Oh, that's it. So just so rounds 10 and 11 have across them six clubs having a bye. I don't know how... So that must mean... That must mean that they intend to do this again. Perhaps with rounds, what, 13 to 16. Possibly. So that other teams can have a bye. To t remember, technically as well, um, Essendon and Melbourne have already had a bye. Technically, because they had that game that they missed a few weeks ago. Because of the Conor McKenna thing. So they are considered to have already had a bye. So... At the end of this, seven teams will have had a buy. That leaves 11 more that are probably going to be wanting a buy at some point. I don't really know how that's going to work, but I guess it'll work in some way. Another interesting thing is they've got uh, North Melbourne are hosting two games at Blundstone Arena down in Hobart. It's got a little asterisk next to it, which is ironic, which means it's pending the approval of the Tassie government. I imagine we'll go ahead. But it'll depend uh, if, you know, so before that, North Melbourne, are, they're currently in Brisbane or, or in this southeast Queensland hub, as everyone's calling it, rather than just calling it the Brisbane hub or the Gold Coast hub. Um, so that'll be pending, say, there's a breakout, or, um, there's a break, there's a outbreak or a hotspot in the Brisbane area. Tassie might go, no, nah, we're not putting those teams in. That would be the only thing I would imagine because they haven't been, they won't have been in Victoria at that point for quite some time. So the first Tassie game is scheduled for around 11 on the 9th of August. So yeah, there'll be no teams that have been anywhere in touch with uh, Victoria or New South Wales by the looks of it because New South, New South Wales might be a no-go zone at that point as well. Because uh, yeah, every, every game is either being played at the Gabba, at Mexicon, at Optus, or at the Adelaide Oval. Except for the Blundstone games. Yeah, that's where every single game is. So yeah, Sydney's out of the question. And obviously Victoria's already out of the question. So yeah, there you go. Really, really exciting stuff. I'm so jazzed about that fixture. That is going to be so good. All right. Let's get into the round of footy. Okay. I made the mistake last week of not having water with me while I was recording this, and my mouth just uh, to dry up as I was getting towards the end, so I'm not making that mistake today. All right, let's go back to Thursday night. This is almost a week ago now, now that it's Tuesday. Geelong and Collingwood. I mean, this kind of went just about how I would have expected. I It was kind of low scoring. 35 to 57, uh, Collingwood's way, for those who don't know. Um, yeah, I, th I think Col Collingwood, I think, have gotten through the couple of weeks of sort of scandal and problems that they had very impressively. Like, I've got to be honest, like, I mean, it helps the Jordan to go and kick five goals, but... Yeah, I think they've done really well at, at like, on-field, getting themselves through this. They've now won. They won last week as well, didn't they? Yeah, they beat Brisbane. Oh, sorry, they beat um, Hawthorne. 
Yeah, so they've won a couple in a row now. A couple of big wins. They'll be really happy with how they're going. Uh, Dugowie is now going to miss, I think, like six to eight weeks with that finger surgery, which is not going to help because without him, they would have lost. He kicked five goals and they kicked eight as a whole team. So whether or not they're going to be able to score as much without him there is going to be interesting. We'll see how they go with all those games squeezed into three weeks, but they're going to get side bottom back, I think, not this week, but next week, I think. I think that's how long he's got left, or maybe this week, I don't know. But, um, yeah, they're going pretty hot. Adam Trelaw has just absolutely been tearing it up since he came back. Over 30 disposals for like the third week in a row or something. He's absolutely shredding it. It wasn't good to see uh, Joel Selwood go down. That was never good, especially so early in the game, and they had one disposal. Um, hopefully he's not out for too long. He, he's, he is... He's been the best captain in the AFL, I think, for well, ever since he became captain, which I think was like 2014 or 15, maybe 13. Did he take over from Cameron Ling after 2011 or 2012? I don't know. He's been captain for a very long time, and he's been the he's been an absolutely excellent captain. He is the heart and soul of that club. So he's also been very, very consistent and hardly ever gets injured. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go without him for a little while, depending on how long he's out. Um, apart from that, I, like, I don't like, I don't think Geelong are quite going to squeeze into the top four. They may well still finish top eight. They haven't got a whole lot to worry about, but they've got a couple of things to worry about, like, I don't know, like inconsistency, you know. They've now got a few injuries. Their midfield is just dropping like flies, the, you know. Duncan and a couple others the other week, and now they've lost... Um, who's the other one? Yeah, Jordan Clark and Selwood on the weekend. I still think they're playing Jack Stephen in the wrong position. They've been still mostly playing him on the ball, and he's getting sort of mid-level disposals. Like, he's, he's 16 touches again on the weekend. Six tackles, which is, like, fine. Unless you're a four-time best and fairest winner. And, you know, was once considered, you know, one of the best midfielders in the game. Like, he's still not... He's, I don't know if he's ever going to get back to his best midfield form until until he does, or, you know, just forever and ever, put him in the forward pocket. I really think, possibly for the rest of his career, especially in that Geelong side, who, you know... St- Stephen is going to play out the rest of his career with Dangerfield in the side with Mitch Duncan in the side, with, you know, Men and Gola, like all these other guys that are sort of around this. Yeah, Ablett's going to retire, Selwood will retire. But they, they've they still got a lot of these core players who are around the same age as Stephen and also playing in the midfield. And then you've got Parfit coming through and these other younger guys. Move him to the forward pocket. I promise you he will shred it up. He's not going to kick three goals every week, but he... Will probably kick a goal a week. He's a very, very smart player, and he's very quick at the moment. He's very quick only in short bursts. But he's very quick, deceptively so. He's got the funny little run that I miss terribly, but he would put it to really good use in the forward pocket. I think that's his best position. Just move Dalhouse or Myers into the midfield or up onto the wing, 
they could easily make space for him easily. I think he's just not being utilized. Like if they like they like they dropped him last week, they brought him back in this week. But like, if you're gonna play him, make it worth your while because at the moment they're not getting any benefit from having him in. Really, he's not doing a whole lot of damage. All right. Let's move on to the next game, which was on Friday night. Essendon and Bulldogs. Well done, Bulldogs. Well done, Tim English. Just about had his quote-unquote breakout game. He's had a few of those. But I think now, of the three like big up-and-coming ruckmen in the comp, being English, Sean Darcy, and Rowan Marshall, I think English is now sort of just stepped above the other two a little bit. Like, he... He is, he is playing really, really excellent football. Like, when he's on, he is one of the best ruckmen in the game. Like, I'm not going to say that he's up there with Gorn and Grundy and Goldstein and Nat Nui just yet. I think those four are still the four top ruckmen in the comp. But English of the young ones is clearly the best at the moment, I would say. Um... Well done as well to that young fella who debuted, Waitman. How about that monstrous banana for your first goal? I think it was his first kick as well. They, and, the, and the Bulldogs announced today they've got another debutant. I don't know what his name is, but they're unveiling another young star. They're very, very good at that. They're very, very good at drafting players and bringing them into their 22. They just seem to... like. I think all of their first round picks from the last three or four years are now in their best side. Like they did, they like Luke Beveridge is very, very good at fostering the young talent in the side. And they really put Essen into the sword. I was really surprised by this. Like they were pretty evenly matched teams. I wouldn't have been surprised if the game had gone either way, but the fact that they beat them by seven goals I think it's really, really impressive. Like Essendon are a good team. They've been having a really good year. You know, is it like they were? They, I think they're in the top four. Like they'd only had one loss for the year, and the Bulldogs have just waltzed in and smashed them. So it's really, really impressive. I mean, I don't think Essendon have too much to worry about. I think they just got beaten at their own game. Bulldogs were fast and exciting, and efficient. And, yeah, like, I really think it was off the back of English. His ability to just dominate in the middle just gave the Bulldogs first use so often. And really, like, there's not a whole lot Essendon can do about that. And they'll bounce back. They're still going to finish top eight this year, Essendon, I would think. I would think both these teams would. Yeah, really, really well done, Bulldogs. Very impressive win. All right, let's move into Saturday. Another interesting game, I thought. Giants and the Lions. Lions getting over the line by 20 points. Like, it was a bit of a... Like, Brisbane led for the entire game, but it was a bit seesawy, you know? Like, the Lions would kick a bunch of goals, and then the Giants would get their way back to almost level. Then Brisbane would be able to kick another few goals. Then the Giants would come to, like... It happened a few times. Like that third quarter, well, Brisbane got out to a 30 or so point lead. Then the Giants kicked four goals in a row. And then 
into the last quarter, Brisbane kicked another four goals in a row to just blow the game out. Really interesting. I think a month ago or so, I said that the Giants were one of the teams who could win the flag. Based on current form, I'm going to withdraw that statement. I, I think they are not quite... How do I say this? They are, they are not A-plus material in every section of the ground. Like, no club in the AFL has a perfect 22, but every club... Sorry, every good club, I should say. Not every perfect club has a perfect 22, but every perfect club has really good players on every line. Like, take Brisbane, for example, the team that beat them. I think where they are weak is their tall forwards. Like, Hipwood and McStay are not... Like, Hipwood is still on the young side. He's been playing footy for a little while now, but he's still on the young side. I think in a few years' time, he will be one of the best. He's a very, very athletic, very tall centre-half forward. So I think he'll come good in the next year or so. But at the moment, they are not clunking marks and kicking bags, those two. Right, their goals are coming from their smalls. Cameron and McCarthy and out of their midfield. So, I mean, yeah. So even really, really good teams like Brisbane Lions aren't perfect. The Giants, I think, are missing things in a few places. They can't seem to win without Toby Green. Every time he's out of the side, they really seem to struggle, which is not what you want. You don't want to be so heavily reliant on your best player that you can't win without him. So that's not ideal. they really got to sort out who their number one ruckman is. They tried Sam Jacobs for the first few weeks. That didn't work. They bought Mumfitted. Mumford in, and that hasn't really worked either. Mumford gives away too many free kicks. I questioned it when they traded in Sam Jacobs in the off-season. It's like, he's past his prime. He's like, yeah, he's another very experienced ruckman. At one point, he was one of the best in the comp, but he is only, I think, one year younger than um, Mumford. So, like, who's their next... Like, Mumford will retire at the end of this year. He retired two years ago and then came back. <clears throat> Excuse me. He retired two years ago and then came back. Now they've got Jacobs, who probably goes himself at the end of next year. Who's going to be it after they're gone? Like, like I know the Giants were planning to win the flag this year or next year, so, you know, that's fine. But they got a plan for the next five years after that. And I really don't know who their ruckman would be after Jacobs and uh, Mumford are gone. So anyway, that's a problem. I think another problem they've got is all these um, million-dollar players they've got. I mean, they're not all million-dollar players, but they've got lots of very high-paid players. Yeah, Cameron and Whitfield and Cornelio and Kelly being on a lot of money. All these players have got big, fat, juicy contracts that they all, apart from Cameron, have all secured a little while ago, right? So they're all sitting pretty. And what I wonder is, do they think they don't really need to work as hard now? Like all these superstar players, I'm not, I'm not really questioning their work ethic, 
I'm not saying they are deliberately slacking off because they don't need to play well to get paid more money, but I wonder subconsciously, do they not have that drive because they are so financially comfortable? Like it's something that I think they need to think about. They, they, they were able, like the Giants were able to develop that hard edge uh, late last year into the finals. It's how they were able to get into the grand final. They, they became a gritty, hard-working, aggressive side. It was able to win games off the back of the pressure. But they have just lost... Like, if, if they were playing in this game, right? Like, they they beat the Lions in the... What was it? The, the semi-final? Last year? I think it was the semi. Last year. Very close game, but they were able to beat them because they just... They, they were a bit more mature and they just had more pressure. They were just that little bit better because their attack on the footy and their maturity, right? Brisbane, like, the two sides have not changed very much since then in the last 10 months. But Brisbane was so much better on the weekend than they were in the semi-final last year. That's because the Giants have just, again, just lost that hard edge. They have so much skill in their side. If they could bring in a high-pressure game, they would win so much of the time. So much of the time. So it's something they've got to find within themselves. Well, Leon Cameron has to get it out of them. I'm not sold on him as a really great coach, if I'm honest. Like, you know, there's all the... You know, says he's driving the Ferrari. It's what everyone has said for the last five years or so. While they've had all these, ama- they've had this amazing list. He's driving the Ferrari, the cream of the crop. He's got on his playing list. That's great. Why can't he really do much with them? Why haven't they won a flag? Because he can't get that effort out of them. I think. Anyway, let's move on to the next game. Sydney going down to the. Gold Coast Suns by five goals. This is actually not a bad game. It's a pretty entertaining game. Uh, Again, about how I thought it would go. Gold Coast are playing really good footy. Sydney are doing their best. They're in a rebuild. It's whatever, right? They're they're not playing bad footy themselves. They just don't have the firepower to kick a winning score. I don't think. I think that's their biggest problem. They've got lots of really good young players. Like lots of really, really good young players. And I think if, you know, in a few years' time they could bring in some mature-age superstars, if they can lure some more, you know, like 10 years ago they were bringing in Tippett and Franklin and like 10 years ago, maybe 7 or so years ago, they were bringing in players like that. They can do a bit more of that, maybe into the midfield. Now that, you know, Kennedy's going to retire soon. All the other old boys are going to retire. It's going to be Parker left as the only sort of really mature midfield. He and he's probably going to have to move more into the midfield. Like I said last week, they're going to struggle without him in the side for a while. And Kennedy as well as speaking. I forgot he was injured too. Um, yeah, Sydney. Sydney are going, yeah. Sydney know where they're at, and I think they're going Okay. Gold Coast, very well done. I forgot to talk about Isaac Rankin last week. He kicked, what, three goals on debut? He's kicked another two goals this week. This kid, like, I know he was drafted two years ago. He didn't play last year because of injury or whatever. He is so ready to play with the big boys. 
He's a really, really exciting player. They put Raoul on ice and immediately just <laughs> pull out of cryosleep or whatever Isaac Rankin, who is just as brilliant and exciting. With Rankin and Raoul in the same team, they'll be unstoppable, the Suns. Now I'm saying it, unstoppable. They're playing really, really nice footy. And another prediction I made in the off-season that has proved true, bringing in the sort of B-level, nothing against them, but bringing in the B-level uh, trade targets that they did has worked absolutely brilliantly for them. Hugh Greenwood is having such a good year. They didn't have room for him at Adelaide or whatever the fuck Mark Rashido was saying a couple of months ago. But he's having an awesome year. He's been one of their best players. Brandon Ellis, you know, there wasn't room for him at Essen, uh, at Richmond. He's having a great year. I, I like. There is something going on up at the Gold Coast, and Stewie Dew is Stewie Dew is the mastermind behind it. They are they're doing something special. Oh, sorry, I keep fucking with the mic. They're doing something special up there, and it helps that you know Footy has been living up there for most of the year. So I imagine they're really just vibing the whole atmosphere. All the clubs are coming up there to play them. They're like, yeah, come and play us, do your worst. They're really, really exciting. I, I think that the Gold Coast Suns could be playing finals this year. Really think they could. They're only going to get better. They're still so young. They still have so many young players. They're only going to get better. Really, really exciting. Isaac Rankin's tearing it up. Can't be kicking goals like that out of midair in the middle of 10 other dudes. Like, that's a bit ridiculous. Okay. All right, the next... Let's talk about one of the sides who is playing some of the worst football imaginable at the moment. North Melbourne. Got an absolute spanking by Richmond. 54 points in a shortened game. Remember that as well. Richmond kicked 11 goals, 11, 77. Very, very respectable score. North Melbourne kicked 2 goals, 11, 23. If Richmond had not scored after quarter time, they still would have outscored North Melbourne for the entire game. I do not understand what is going wrong at the Kangaroos. You know, a lot, like, a lot of the media is saying that their list is not that great. I think their list is excellent. I think they've got a really, really good list. Obviously, I mean, obviously they don't really, but I thought they did. Like, how can Higgins have 36 touches, be probably clearly the best player on the ground, but his team still only kicked two goals 11? Like, that's ridiculous. I think they've got a really good side. Higgins is a star. I think Jared Pollock is a very good player. Marley Williams is a good player. Goldstein's having a fantastic year. Robbie Tarrant is a veteran defender. Aaron Hall hasn't been hasn't been, you know, tearing it up massively since he came over from Gold Coast, but he's still a good player. You know. Jai Simpkin moved into the midfield, is absolutely smashing it. 
Ben Brown almost won the common last year. He's hardly, he kicked three behinds. He's really, like me, it's not, I said this last week as well, he's not really struggling because of his own faults. He's not getting very good delivery into the forward line, but he's still a great player. Jasper Pittard, another very good player. Like, Jack Zebel, he got injured. He's been having hamstring trouble, but, you know, he's a superstar. They got a, They have a good team. So I don't understand why they're playing so shit. I really, really don't. It's kind of baffling. They were so excited about Reece Shaw and the um, and the sort of excitement train they were riding on off the back half of last year. Like they kicked out Brad Scott because he wanted to take the list in one direction and the board disagreed. He said they needed a rebuild. They didn't think so. Got rid of him. Put Reece Shaw in the top job. And they played really good footy in the second half of last year. Lots of really good footy. But now they've lost five games in a row. And they're sitting second bottom. Like, they've really, really got to resurrect something out of this year. Or they're going to bottom out. Like, I could see Adelaide winning two games. Maybe three. Like, North... Maybe we'll win another game the way they're going. They've really got to turn it around. You can't kick two goals at 11. That is ridiculous. That absolutely blows my mind. On the flip side, I'm pretty happy to say that Richmond are more or less back. Like they're, they're back playing very good footy. They're playing the brand of footy they like to play. They're... they're Motto of soldier out, soldier in is working very well for them. They have a very long injury list and they've also got the players who stayed in Melbourne for the family reasons and the players they've replaced them with were excellent. Yeah. Um, Egmalee Smith, young fellow with maybe the greatest name in the AFL. He was probably their best player. Yeah. Pickett, back having a good game. Uh, that young fella, Arts. Doesn't have to do a lot, but he got himself a goal or two. That's all he needs to do. You know, they, they still have the the core group, you know, Martin and Grimes and Voston and, you know, Castagna and Rewalt, Rioli even, who's not having an amazing year, but still, like, they keep, a, keep some of those core players and just bring in and bring out players as you need to who can just play a role know the team plan they don't change the plan depending on what players are in the side they keep it the same everyone knows it they execute it and they will win and they're back i think are they in the top four now yeah they're fourth i mean a few weeks ago everyone written them off so they're fourth again Oh, hi, Obi. You making noise over there? No, oh, you just sighed at me. Okay, sorry. All right. On to the Sunday games. <gasps> the best game of the year so far was on Sunday. It was so exciting. I had so much fun. It was great. Carlton and Port Adelaide. If you didn't see what happened in this game, you have not been paying attention to football news. So it was a really thrilling game. Port Adelaide kicked the first three goals, Carlton kicked the next four, and then it's pretty much goal for goal for the rest of the game. 
the margin doesn't go above 10 points after that for the rest of the game, which is exactly what you want. After the first quarter, it wasn't very high scoring. Like, they both kicked four goals in the first term, and then they both only kicked five goals for the entire rest of the game. So at quarter time, both coaches have gone, this is way too high scoring for my liking. We've got to shut this shit down. No more goals will be kicked today. Anyway, really, really amazing game. And everyone loves a big goal after the siren. Who else would you want doing it but Robbie Gray? Again, another player not having an amazing year, not playing at his best, but still good enough to do shit like that. I love shit like that. And I love that Anthony Hudson was commentating it. I love it when he gets the chance to. He's my favourite commentator, and I love it when he is on telly for the big moments like that. Yeah, he, yeah, it's not the most amazing, you know, it's no miracle on grass or 13-13, but I just love that he, you know, got to got to call it. Just makes it all that more exciting. Uh, I think Port, Ad- Port Adelaide are definitely deserving of top spot. I think they've been the best team all year. Carlton should absolutely not be disheartened by this result. They played a really brilliant game. And, you know, Port Adelaide missed, what, four shots a goal before that. So Carlton probably deserved to lose the game. They weren't quite level with Port Adelaide in that last term. Just happened to take until the last second for Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide to hit the front. But, yeah, Carlton should absolutely not be disheartened at all. They are playing really good football at the moment. I don't know if they're quite going to be making the eight, but I think they're going to be around that sort of eight to ten bracket, you know, or nine to twelve bracket, I should say. Like, they're they're playing good footy. It's finally sort of clicking together. All this work they've been doing, like David Teague seems to have finally got a system that's really working. They've got a forward line that is working. They've got a back line that is working. Their midfield is working together. Paddy Cripps is not having to carry, you know, constantly. Bringing in Martin and Nunes and Betts. Seeing Eddie Betts back kicking special special goals like the one he kicked on the weekend. Like, the, the Blues are another team like Gold Coast who have been down for a long time. Blues have been down for longer, obviously. But it's just exciting to see them come back up. I really, really like it. And this is such a good game. Best game of the year by far, so far, I reckon. All right, only a few games left to go. All right. Another team that's struggling a bit. We had Hawthorne versus Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. Bravo, Melbourne. Winning this one as much as they did. 43 points they won by. I would not have said that Melbourne were going this well. But, you know... Bravo, they've, they've now got the newly dubbed best player in the competition after one best player of the round game, Christian Prajaka. You know, they're saying he's the next Dustin Martin now. Yeah, yeah, he may very well be, but, you know, just hold on. Next week, he might only have 15 touches. <laughs> just wait and see. See if he can string. Like, he's having a very good year, but see if he can string together a month of best on ground performances. Yeah, but, yeah, he's very, very, very good. The more midfield minutes he plays, the more games Melbourne are going to win, I would say. Because, he, yes, he is an absolute bull. 
absolute ball. So see, now I don't know where Melbourne they're going to end up. I thought they were going to be a bottom four team after the first month of footy. They were really struggling. But now I think they've won two in a row now. Did they win last week? Yeah, they did. They beat the Gold Coast by three goals. So, you know, they've strung together a couple of good performances. They're scoring highly. 91 points is a very good score for this year. So, Melbourne are going all right. Hawthorne are not going all right, on the other hand. They are as lost as North Melbourne and Adelaide are. Absolutely. It is now two weeks in a row that Clarkson's position is being questioned as coach. His, his contract runs out at the end of next year. If he stays there until then, that will have been 16 years in the top job. Four premierships. That's pretty bloody good. He should probably step down. Now, they're saying he, you know, he's totally in charge of where his contract goes because of what he's done for the club. I don't know if that's true. They're probably just saying that. If it is true, I don't think it should be the case. I think that's wrong. Sometimes a coach, especially a very successful coach, very successful anyone, player, any, any position, your ego can grow a bit and you are not the best judge of where you're at. I think if it comes to the end of next year and Hawthorne are not showing signs and Clarkson still wants to coach on into the future, they just say, no, you're out. We're elevating Sam Mitchell, who everyone is saying is naturally the next coach. Although I'm I'm not like, I mean, I get why, you know, he was, you know, one of their best players for a long time. He went and did the coaching course over in Perth under Adam Simpson. Now he's come back to co to assistant coach under Clarko. I'm sure there are more qualified coaches in the AFL. Like Sam Mitchell's only two years out of the game himself. But I mean everyone's just assuming he's gonna get the job. Anyway, yeah, Hawthorne Hawthorne are really struggling. They're still like a bit lost in the ruck department. Yeah. Did they keep? I didn't even check. Did they keep Segler in the team? No, they did not. All right, so they dropped him. So McAvoy's doing the ruck work. Yeah, again, at one point, he is a premiership ruckman. Oh, sorry. I keep moving away from them. I keep looking down to look at shit on my phone, and I don't realize that, you know, it gets all quiet because I'm not right near the mic. And then I come back to the mic. I'll get better. I'm sorry. I'll try and keep my I'll try and lift up my phone and keep my face right here near the mic. Alright. Yeah, McAvoy, they moved him back into the middle. And he was quiet. Yeah. It, it's hard to have a good game against Max Gorn, but McAvoy didn't do what he needed to. A lot of people are questioning the captaincy, you know. Is Ben Stratton the best man to be captaining the club? I mean I imagine he is because, you know, there's no one better to make the decision than the club itself. Like, they would know internally. Externally, it doesn't look like he's the man, but I'm sure internally he is. I don't know who they would prefer ahead of him. You know, maybe, like, they don't want to go another one of the old boys. Like, you would think maybe Isaac Smith, but he's getting a bit old. You would think Gunston. 
But how old's he? Uh, he is... He's 28. He could be captain. But that, like, you'd think maybe probably a Mitchell or an O'Meara. I don't know what kind of leader O'Meara is, possibly. Sicily is a very popular choice. Excuse me, for captain. I don't know what Hawthorne need to do. Every single year they seem to trade in, you know, some good players that they don't... They haven't liked going to the draft with high picks. That is probably what they're going to need to do. Like, look look at the team they played on the weekend, right? Henderson came from Adelaide. Mitchell came from Sydney. O'Meara came from the Gold Coast. Uh, let's move down. Scully came from the Giants. Minchington got a game. He came from St Kilda, even though they delisted. They got Sam Frost last year from Melbourne. Wingard from Port Adelaide. If you want to be really picky, Burgoyne from Port Adelaide, although that's worked for them quite well. Frawley from uh, uh, Melbourne. Uh, Gunston from, like, McAvoy from St. Kitt. Like, that. so many players from other clubs. They really got to give going to the draft a go. Like, I think Melbourne would recommend it. Petrarca, Oliver, Gorn, Viney. Brayshaw, Harms, McDonald. I think they would recommend it. <laughs> it's gone all right for them. <sighs> yeah, Hawthorne are a bit shit at the moment. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the Derby or the Derby, depending on where you're from. Uh, Fremantle went down by five goals to the Eagles. Again, about how I thought this game would go. Fremantle had a good win against the Saints last week, but, you know, they're not going to do that every week. Uh, like, like, I don't have a lot. Like, the only real problem with Fremantle at the moment is they made a mistake with the management of Fife's hamstring injury. They brought him back when they shouldn't have brought him back. Apart from that, they're going fine. Like, they are a young side. They're building. Same as Sydney. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being a low side as long as you know where you're at. Um they got lots of good young players, they'll be alright. West Coast, I am not yet willing to say that West Coast are back. I think Richmond are back. I don't think that West Coast are back yet. Yet. It's like, yeah, now they've won three in a row, but who have they beaten? Sydney, Adelaide, and Fremantle. Right? Three teams all in the bottom four. Right? This week, they've got Collingwood. If they can beat Collingwood in Perth, I will say that they're back. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, in the in the in the month from heaven, the fixture we've just come out. They've got Geelong. They've got a bye. They've got Carlton, and then they've got Hawthorne. So of those three games, they've got. They're going to want to win two of those. Probably three. They should probably beat all three of those teams. Definitely going to want to win two. I don't think they're going to be beating Collingwood on the weekend, though. In this coming weekend. But if they do, I will say that they're back. They're playing pretty good football. They're, they're finding that. They're finding what was promised. Tim Kelly's finally playing some good football. You know, their forward line's back, like, kicking lots of goals. They're looking much, much better. 
looking like a much better side, looking like the side that was predicted by a lot of people at the start of the year. But I will not yet say that they are back. They are on their way back. We'll see if they get there. Okay, last game of the round, last night, the mighty Saints out-muscling the Adelaide Crows. I'm so glad that we won this game. God, we needed to win this game. You, now that Adelaide have lost seven games in a row, you are not going to be. You're not going to want to be the team that they beat. It's going to happen. I don't imagine they're going to go winless for the year. If they do, they are in serious trouble. Like, like I'm not throwing the word serious around lightly. Like they are in really serious trouble. Like, I don't think in my lifetime. A team has gone winless in a season. I'm pretty sure they have. Like, it's so hard. Even, you know, yeah, there's five less games than usual. But to go winless in a season is ridiculously poor. Very embarrassing. Damning, some would say. Anyway. Uh, they look okay. And, like, this is the first time I've watched them up close for a full game. And, like, they don't look terrible. They don't look deplorable, but they do not look good. Like, for a side that still has lots of good players, you know, Talia, Laird, the Crouch Brothers, Lynch, Walker, um, mm, Seedsman. I'm sure there's some other good players I've forgotten about. Sloan's injured, but Sloan's still there. Oh, excuse me. There's still lots of good players in their list. That they are not playing the football that that list would suggest that they have the potential to play. Like they, they, they are low pressure. They are inefficient going inside fifty. Like inside fifty, Walker and Lynch were having to do so much work. Like they were carrying the rest of the forward line. Same in the midfield. Like I think Crouch brothers doing, like, Matt especially, were doing so much of the heavy lifting. Duday, who's the stand-in captain, he was absolutely brilliant at centre-half back. He was intercepting everything. It seems like every time we kick the ball, St Kilda, trying to be less St Kilda-centric on this podcast, every time St Kilda kicked the ball inside 50, he just happened to be there, and he just marked it. Not even just inside 50, all around the ground, he was intercept marking. Really, really impressive game from a young standing captain. Obviously, they knew what they were doing when they put him up for the gig. But yeah, um, I don't know, like, I'm kind of starting to want Adelaide to get a win at some point. I'm, like, feeling bad for them. Like, they've had such a shitty three years now since the 2017 Grand Final. So many things has gone wrong for them. It'll be really sad if they can't get a win this year. I think they will. But I, like, it's it's not going to come when you think. They're going to, like, spring an upset on some middle-level side who's not expecting it. That's how they'll get a win, and they might get a second win at some point. But, gee, they, they're just not playing good enough footy. I was very impressed by St Kilda's ability to just about play four quarters. The third quarter was not the best, but... Luckily, Adelaide being inefficient in front of goal, you know, they kicked, well, they kicked one goal four a quarter, like kept us in it. 
kept St Kilda in it. Kept St Kilda in it. But yeah, it was good. It was good to see St Kilda play a full game, unlike last week. Jack Steele has now snuck up into second in the coaches' votes. He's still like ten votes behind Lockie Neal or something, but he's now snuck up into second because he just. Everyone thinks he's just a tagger, and he is. He's one of the best, unsung, one of the best taggers in the comp. I would put him up there with DeBoer and... Uh, I can't think of another really good tagger at the moment. Um, but yeah, I would put him up there with DeBoer as one of the best taggers in the comp. But he's not just a tagger. He also sometimes needs to be tagged himself. He had 26 touches and a goal on the weekend, while also tagging Brad Crouch, keeping him relatively quiet. Like, he had 20 contested possessions. The next most was Riley O'Brien with 14. The next most St Kilda player was Zach Jones with 10. 20 contested possessions is crazy. That is a huge amount. The fact that he kicked a goal, he uh, had the equal most tackles in the game with six. When it's 77% disposal efficiency, like that's a huge game. That's a really, really good game. And everyone's, you know, singing Dan Butler's praises, saying he's probably leading St Kilda's best and fairest. I do not think he will be leading St Kilda's best and fairest. I think Jack Steele will be leading St Kilda's best and fairest. He's having a really, really good year. You know, two weeks ago, he kept uh, Patrick Cripps really quiet. Last week, he wasn't so great at handling Fife because I sort of sent Fife forward and then still didn't really have a job to do, so he kind of got lost last week. But this week, again, he did a bit of a tagging role and was our best midfielder at the same time. He's probably my favourite player at the Saints at the moment. He's, oh, I think he should be the next captain as well, him or Membry. Definitely not Sebastian Ross. He should not be... He's currently the vice-captain. He should... He's not playing like it. Second week in a row. He only had nine touches, I think, this week. Let's just check that that's right. Ten touches. Excuse me. He had ten touches. That is not enough. Like I said last week that he's, because of the um, Jones and Hill inclusions, his position has mostly been pushed to that halfback flanking role, sort of half-halfback flank, half in the midfield. He is not having the numbers that he was in the last couple of years. Like he won our best and fairest last year. He would not be in our top 20 best in, for, the, for the best and fairest at the moment. He's like, I don't think it's just the slight change of position. He's also out of form. But he just, and when he does get it, he's just, and Jade Gresham has this problem as well, he just throws it on his boot. It's often like he's being tackled. It'll be a snap around the corner that'll just sort of float and sort of go to nothing. 50-50 chance it'll actually pay off. I think, like, he's... I'll be honest. I think he's been slightly overrated for a while. Like, he, at his best, he accumulates a lot of possessions. He's not always very damaging. I think it's kind of the same thing that got found out about Tom Rockliffe when he moved to Port Adelaide. When he was at Brisbane, he was getting 40 touches a week. So everyone thought he was an amazing player, and he's a very good player. But when he went to Port Adelaide, 
when he was in a team with other actual good midfielders, he just got a little bit lost. Now that St Kilda has got a much deeper midfield, with the inclusions of Jones and Hill and Gresham getting better and Steele getting better, Ross is just a bit lost. And I think he will come out of this form slump. I would like him to do it soon. But... Like, Hanabry, like Hanabry's probably going to come back into the team this week. And, you know, Ryan Burns, who debuted and hardly did anything, which is not really his fault, it's only his first game, but he's probably going to have to make way for Hanabry. Hanabry's going to be in the same boat. Hanabry's also been playing in that sort of halfback flanking role. And what's going to happen when Ben Long's suspension's over in a couple of weeks? He's going to come back into the halfback flank. Do they send Ross and or Hanabry into the forward line? And if so, does Loney or Kent make way? Like, I really, like, I think at some point, if we have a fully fit list, they will need to consider dropping, like, one of these midfielders. And it, like it'll, they will never drop Ross because he's the vice captain. I would be amazed if they dropped him unless his form just completely bottoms out. I don't think they'll drop him. But they're gonna have like they really seem to want to stick with Patton in the back line, and I think they should. I think he's got a lot of potential. And they're obviously not, they're not going to drop long. He's playing good. Caulfield's playing. Caulfield, by the way, is, seems to all of a sudden be a better player than Clark, even though in the last year or so, Clark has been much more consistent and got lots of games last year, whereas Caulfield didn't. Now, Caulfield stayed in the side since we returned from the long break, and the last couple of weeks has been absolutely amazing. An intercepting machine has been probably our best defender in the last fortnight. Like, I think the back six is pretty settled. Whereas I don't think the midfield is. I don't know what they're going to do if they end up with a fully fit list. Like, they've been lucky the last month because Jones was out for a week. Now, Hanbury's been out for a couple of weeks. Geary was out at one point. So they've been able to sort of chop and change with players that should probably all be in our best 22. Problem is, there's about 24 of them who should be in our best 22. So it's going to be interesting. Like, I personally don't think that just because you're the captain or the vice captain, you should stay in the team on form. Like, it's it's very, very good to have your captain out on the field to, you know, direct traffic and do courageous things in that. So I, I wouldn't advise ever dropping Geary. I mean, he was better this week than he was last week, but, like, they could almost make an example of Ross, seriously. Like, you are well out of form. We're going to, like, bring in Jack Bytel who is very highly touted, is yet to play a game. Almost played a game a couple of weeks ago. They were sort of suggesting he was going to play, but then he was in an emergency. Bring him in. Bring in a player who's actually hungry, wants to get the ball, and play him in the right position. I don't know. I've waffled on too long about St Kilda. Very good to see us win the game. Oh, one more thing. I am still waiting for Brad Hill to play like the player who he was supposed to be. Everyone's like, oh, you know, he's one of the best recruits of the year. I am waiting for that to be true. Please let it be true soon. Right, that's enough. Let's wrap this up. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Um, 
make sure you've got yourself some masks. They are now compulsory, which is lots of fun. They're compulsory in Victoria, I should say. Got to wear a mask when you go outside. Yippee! I'm going to be going for a run tomorrow morning and I'm not going to be wearing a mask because fuck you. I'm going to go around and lick some doorknobs after that. It's going to be a fun day. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a good time. Stay safe. I love you so much.